Hey, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Welcome to church. My name is John. I'm the administrative pastor here, which basically means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. But uh, it's good to be here with you this morning. And, uh, and we want to say welcome. So if you are visiting, uh, if you're newer to church, um, there are cards in the seats in front of you or behind you that you can use. You can fill those out. And there's boxes on each end of the hallway. You can fill out the cards, drop them in the boxes, um, and we will follow up with you. You can also uh, just come say hello to anybody you see up on the stage here. We would love to chat with you, get to know you a little bit. But we want to say welcome. We are glad that you're here with us this morning. If you're trying to stay up to date with what's going on, we encourage you to check out my LifeBridge events, uh, our devotional. We have a daily devotional, both, both an audio version and, uh, and a written version. We have uh, our sermons up there, online giving, text and email updates. Uh, you can sign up for that there. But if you check out my LifeBridge, that's a great way to stay in the loop on what's going on. And uh, it's a great way to stay connected. We want to thank you for your giving. Uh, we couldn't do what we do without the generosity and the commitment of, of the people who call this our home church. If you call this Life Bridge your home church, we ask that you participate in our mission uh, by, by giving of your finances. And you can do that online. You can do it on Venmo. And you can do it in the giving boxes on both ends of the hallway. That's how, that's how we keep the lights on here. That's how we do outreach projects. Everything that we do is, is by the, the donations and the giving of the people uh, who come to church here. So if you have any questions about our finances and how those things work, you can reach out. And uh, I will point you to someone from our stewardship team to answer those questions. I want to talk to you for a minute about the Reconstruct Conference, which is starting today. This is the beginning of the Reconstruct Conference. And when we say conference, what we really mean is it's a week of focused growth. We have these times in our calendar where we want to focus on growing together in truth. So our strategy around this is basically that we don't have a lot of stuff on our calendar. If you, if you come to our church most weeks, we're not going to give a bunch of announcements about here's what's happening Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. But this week, we do have a lot. And so our strategy is, is pretty simple. Keep, uh, keep people's calendars pretty clear of church things. And then about once a quarter, we have, we have a week where we come together for a time of focused growth. And that is this week. The idea with these conferences is that we'll have a guest speaker on both Sundays, both today and the 21st, and three courses in between, um, or three nights of, of stuff happening in between. Actually, one's a day. Sorry. Struggling here. But this Tuesday, we have Soul Care Night. Soul Care Night is a time where we gather, we share a meal, we discuss, we pray, we sing, we worship together. And, to, and the theme of this Tuesday's Soul Care Night is gratitude. We're going to be talking about um, having a, a soul filled with gratitude. So that's this Tuesday, 6 to 7 30 p.m. Dinner's there, dinner will be provided, child care will be provided. On, on, uh, t on Thursday night and Saturday morning, we're running uh, the two courses you see there, Ownership 101 and Bible 101. We're doing 101 courses in, in conjunction with each of these conferences over the course of the year. And so Ownership 101 is it's about making your faith your own. We believe here that, that our faith in Jesus Christ is, is there's an element of decision that we make to follow Jesus for ourselves, which, mean, which means you can't inherit your faith from your family. You can't inherit your faith by just coming to church and, uh, and you, from the pastor or anybody else. You make your faith your own. It's a decision you make, and there are steps involved. And so Ownership 101 is, that's what that course is about. And we encourage everybody, everybody to come to Ownership 101 at least once. And you might be thinking, I already know what the gospel is. I already know kind of those things. I've been baptized. 
Uh, you might be surprised at, at, at what we say. There might be some things you haven't heard yet about what we believe it means to make your faith your own. And we would encourage you to check that out. Then we're doing Bible 101. John will be teaching that. That's, that's pretty simple. What we believe about the Bible. So at LifeRidge, what we believe about the Bible and how to read it for yourself. So those two classes will be happening on Thursday night this week. And they will be happening on Saturday morning. There will be a meal at both of those. There will be child care at both of those. We're encouraging everybody to try to make at least one of these. You could make both if you go to one on Thursday, one on Saturday, if you want to be an overachiever. Uh, or you, can, you, you have two opportunities to make it to either that Ownership 101 or Bible 101. So we definitely encourage you to, to be all in with us this week on these events as we grow together in truth. With that... Um, we were supposed to have a guest speaker this Sunday. My friend Chris is from Atlanta, and we invited him to come share um, because we wanted to get a different perspective. We like when we have conferences, we like to get different perspectives than what we normally get, and uh, and so we invited uh, a bald 32-year-old white dude um, to come because. <laughs> <it's> <laughs> if he stands next to me, it's actually very funny. Anyway, um, but. His mom actually passed away this last week, and so he wasn't able to make it up. And I was actually, um, Leslie and I were actually in Atlanta yesterday for a funeral. Um, and so we have a very special guest for you this morning, a seasoned veteran of, of this pulpit, and his name is Mr. John Adams. So we want to invite up John. You can come on up. I'm going to give you the guest, but you know what I'm going to do, though? I'm going to bring him up, and I'm going to give him the guest speaker treatment, which is John Adams. Uh, he was born in McHenry, Illinois. He started playing golf with me when he was 12. True. And he went to uh, the, the Trinity International University in Deerfield, Illinois, right, where he right, got his Trinity. undergrad in yeah. physical yeah. therapy, and then he yeah. went to seminary. And if he was a guest speaker, he graduated seminary. He didn't just go to it. <laughs> didn't just go, yeah. Just uh, if he was a guest <laughs> speaker, I'd pray for him, so I'm going to do that now. Let's go. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Maybe. Okay. Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, sure. God, thank you for bringing us together today. Would you bless John? Would you speak through him? Lord, help us to learn for, for what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now let's hear it for him. Thanks, brother. Oh, what a joy it is to be here with you all this morning. Tell <laughs> the guest speakers I always start, so I thought I'd try it on for size. You guys are like, stop. Okay, I'll be done. Yeah, no. Uh, so if you think of it, be sure to pray for Chris and his family this week as they grieve and they mourn the loss of his mother. Um, but you guys get me again, and unfortunately you don't get another perspective on these topics, which we think is so valuable for us to hear different perspectives, to hear from folks from even a different, uh, different denomination, uh, different church, different area of the country even, to hear from them and how they're, how they're processing, how they're thinking through all of this. So next week we'll have a guest speaker. Uh, but today you get me, and I get, to, I get to preach one of the sermon topics that I thought I would have to cut, because as I prepped all of this, I prepped too many uh, at the beginning of this campaign, and so I figured I had to cut one. It's always a hard choice when I'm going through, I think, which one do I cut? And I cut this one, but I get to preach it, so I'm actually excited to preach it. So here we go. This campaign uh, is all about reconstruction is what we're calling it, reconstructing our faith. So if you haven't been with us uh, to hear this intro, I figured I'd, I'd go through it again. Um, here's a typical Christian person, Christian guy. They've got a lot of Christ-like traits, a lot of good things, but they're a mix of 
blind spots and untrue beliefs along with their Christ-like traits and the true beliefs that they have about God and about scripture and about Jesus, about community, all of those important things of the faith. And what happens is when we are raised in a, a Christian tradition or when we accept Christ and believe in him or we attend church for the first few times, those, those early formative years begin to form in us what Christianity means. And then over a while, over time, those untrue beliefs and those blind spots, they kind of just become Christianity for us. They become our concepts of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And they all kind of get blurred and blended into the same thing. And so uh, the, this happens over the course of a lifetime. It happens over uh, specific issues at specific times in our life. It's often when we either read something in scripture or have a conversation that challenges our, our perspective and our view on things or something major happens in life that forces us to deconstruct is the term, is where we just like think through things again and say, is this really true? We're curious about it. And so we kind of take it down to the studs and look at it again in a fresh way. And then we have to reconstruct it, but how do we build it back? You can't just stay in this deconstructed phase, which is really cool to talk about on Twitter today is deconstruction, but you can't stay there. And even people who are big on deconstruction don't stay there. They form opinions, they form beliefs off of the questions that they've been asking themselves. So how do we do this in a way that is honoring to Christ, that is true, that is Christ-centered, that is based in Scripture? That's the goal. And what we do is we, we begin to change these untrue beliefs and these blind spots to the truth of Scripture over time. This happens over a lifetime with the goal being more Christ-likeness being formed in us. So today, uh, what we're talking about is trading busyness for presence. Busyness for presence. We talk about busyness. We're all busy, <laughs> right? I, didn't, I don't think I asked anybody out in the hallway. Uh, some people from first service made the joke, but if I, if I said hi to you out in the hallway and you said, uh, and I said, how you doing? And you said, I'm busy. This isn't aimed at you, okay? I prepped this long before you walked in the doors, all right? But it might be a message for you, but I'm not specifically calling you out for saying you were busy this morning. But that's what we often say, right? When we say, how have you been? Or how are you doing? The most natural response is, oh, I've been busy. Even if you really haven't been busy, we tend to say busy. And that says a lot about our cultural value of being busy that we value being busy. And so we try to uh, put, on a, put on, whether it's a front or a face or whatever, we try to say that we have been busy because we value that. And we assume that the person that we're talking to will uh, view that with a positive connotation, right? Like, oh, that tends to mean like you're needed or like you are an important person. You have things to do, right? That you have a lot going on in your life, that you're not just bored with nothing going on, you prioritized your time well and you've used it well. It, it speaks to a cultural value that we just assume. Busyness is good. And again, like a lot of the other ones that we talked about, uh, like accomplishment for calling, which is directly related to this, when we talk about accomplishment and it being achievement oriented, to do that, to achieve, to accomplish your goals, we feel as if we have to be busy. But in the same way, it's not wrong to accomplish things. Busyness isn't necessarily wrong in and of itself. It is the unchecked busyness. It is when we allow busyness to overrun our 
life because then it turns into hurry. And when we hurry, we are much more prone to sin. And hurry, as Dallas Willard says, is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. He says we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Uh, he said this to John Ortberg in a private conversation, and John Ortberg wrote a book about it. Um, it's called Soul Keeping, essentially. And then, uh, uh, what's the name? John Mark Comer, he picked up this idea, and he wrote a whole book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is a terrible, wordy title, but it's catchy. You're like, wow, I need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life. John Ortberg, he, he was lamenting to Dallas Willard, who was his mentor, about uh, what he needed to do to be more effective in ministry. He was a pastor at Willow Creek at the time, which was a big church down in the Chicagoland area. And Willard's response, after a long pause, <laughs> he says, whenever he asked the question, Willard would always pause. There was always a long pause between the answer. And Willard said, John, <laughs> you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. What would you say is the great enemy of the spiritual life? Everyone say hurry, right? And probably deflect it onto something external. So again, I think I think he's on to something. I've been I've been thinking about this and wrestling with this for like two or three years now. I think he's on to something here. Okay, but again, busyness is not wrong in and of itself. Uh, hurry is a whole different thing. And here's the distinctions that Orpberg goes through in his book, Soul Keeping. Busy is just a full schedule. Many of us have full schedules. Hurry is being preoccupied. And hurry is when we can't be present. We have a lot of things going on, but we're unable to be present with the people around us. We're unable to be present with God. And you're always kind of someplace else in your head. You're always thinking about what you did that you should have done better or like how to fix whatever project you're working on. How can I do this? You've got a problem that you're wrestling with in your head or you're thinking about that next meeting, that next, uh, that next thing you're going to be doing later on, how, how you're going to present yourself there, how you're going to finish this or that. You're always someplace else. Busyness is an outward condition. It's an external demands of your job or your house or just life, your children, your family. Hurry is an inner condition of the soul. Hurry is the direct result of busyness internally. It's not an external thing, it's internal in your inner life. It's physically demanding. Hurry is spiritually draining. I think that's a, oftentimes we're physically tired, but I think more often we are spiritually anemic. And we often mistake the two. And we think, oh, I just need to rest and I need leisure time. I need me time. But what we, we really need is to refill our spirit. I've fallen into this trap so many times that I feel like all I need is to rest and like watch Netflix or watch a basketball game, which don't get me wrong, watching basketball gives me a lot of joy and I love it. Even when Steph Curry is just running around, just draining threes on the Bulls, scoring 40 points, which he did on Friday night. My Bulls, man. I thought they were back. I'm not so sure anymore. Um, but I didn't need physical rest. What I needed was spiritual restoration, which is something totally different. And the, the physical leisure, rest, me time, it, it doesn't fill what has been drained spiritually. 
Busyness reminds me I need God. Hurry causes me to be unavailable to God. So when we allow this inner condition of hurry to take over our life, it's when busyness runs unchecked that hurry sets into our soul. And really, the only way to unhurry your soul is to unbusy your schedule. I know those aren't words, unhurry and unbusy, but they work, right? <laughs> the only way to unhurry your soul is to unbusy your schedule. Ronald Rollheiser said it like this. He said, we, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. I love that line. I know I've shared it with you before, so if you remember this. So good. We are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion, he says. It's not that we have anything against God, death, and spirit. We would like these. It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We're more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and don't miss this, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. I would add social media into that one. We're more interested in the fantasy life that they produce in us. Think about that. Meditate on that for a while. Then we are in church, in the reality of community around us. He wraps this uh, quote up. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Very wise people are telling us this. Rollheiser, Willard, we would be wise to heed their words. Ultimately, though, Jesus told us this. In this story from Luke 10 that it just jumps off the page. I can't. When you read this, you're like, man, this is the same stuff we wrestle with today. And we don't even need to, like, expound on this. You don't need me to explain all of this to you. This just jumps off the page at us. And what this does is it removes one of our primary excuses for being hurried and overly busy. Because we tend to blame our hurry on the external environment around us. We say, my kids are demanding. My house just needs me to do all of this stuff, all of this cleaning, all of these cooking, all of these other things. My job, I'm required to do so much at my job. And on top of all of it, I've got my phone with me all the time. And <laughs> when somebody calls me and I'm working, it's hilarious. My phone is ringing, my computer is ringing, and my iPad is ringing if it's in the area too. It's like Christmas. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is insane. And all of those external factors are present in our world, and we blame it on those. We blame our hurried soul on those. But the reality is, it was happening in the first century without all of that stuff, too. <laughs> it is a part of our human condition. Martha didn't have an iPhone to blame this. Martha didn't have Facebook or Meta, whatever the heck it's called, to blame this on, right? If Jesus and his disciples were on their way, it's on the way to Jerusalem, 
He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. I highlight that because that is a picture of discipleship. We get discipleship is one of these big lofty terms that we're like, ah, define it. I don't get it. What does it mean? This is a huge part of it. Just sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. The this assumption is that Jesus, you have the truth. I'm gonna listen to what you say. I'm gonna be curious about what you have to say, Jesus. And so I'm gonna sit at your feet and listen. But Martha was distracted. Luke here gives us a hint that it's not, it's not necessarily good and evil what's happening here. It's just the better choice and the not so good choice because Martha was distracted from the better choice. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Again, this, this communicates something, that Martha is so confident that Jesus will take her side on this, that she is in the right, that she asks for his help to convince Mary to help her. This, this probably didn't just happen in Martha's world. When I think about what I would say if I were Jesus, like if this were my kids, okay, this is, this is a scene that has probably played out a million times in my home, right? Where uh, Shiloh, my firstborn, he's eight, He's diligently doing whatever project I gave him to do. Ellie, the second born, she's six. She's not, right? She's doing something else. And he tells me, Daddy, tell Ellie to help me. My response is immediately, Ellie, help your brother, right? So this has been formed in Martha, most likely from her early years. This is the right thing to do, to be diligent, to be working, to be hand to the plow, head down. So she asked for Jesus' help. She says, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. Band, you guys can come and get set up. Listen to Jesus' answer. Martha, Martha. When he says, that, says it twice, just hear the compassion, hear the love on his voice. He's not disappointed in her. He's not angry with her. He has compassion. And he wants her to see what's really going on. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Notice, Jesus doesn't just go to the busy. He doesn't say just, Martha, you're busy. He, says, he sees the inner condition of her soul. She's hurried. So he goes to the inner life. You are worried and upset. Your busyness has led you to be worried and upset which those two words probably characterize much of your day-to-day -day life. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Remember, it's not right and wrong. Mary has just made the better choice. And it will not be taken away from her. She made the better choice, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening, and not being overly busy and hurried. 
big idea is real simple. We make a lot of choices about what to do with our time every day. <laughs> Sitting at the feet of Jesus is still the better choice. It is the better choice. You're busy. I get it. Don't let it turn into hurry. That inner condition of your soul, make sure that it doesn't, your busyness doesn't remove or move out of your schedule the time of sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's the big rock that must go first into your calendar, is your time with Jesus. Because that is always the better choice. Whether it's a busy season of your life, whether it's a busy time where you have a lot to do, you have to unbusy your schedule so that you can make the better choice of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, God, we thank you for your gentle words, for your compassion, for your kindness that you showed to Martha. Lord, those words that you are speaking over us as well. Not to be worried and upset about many things, not to be distracted with all of the busyness of life around us, but to make the better choice of sitting at your feet, dwelling in your presence, abiding in you, Jesus, to know you more. That's where we want to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a little together. If you guys need prayer while we're singing, there's prayer available in the back. Please take advantage of it.
Thank you, Lord. God, thank you that in our weakness, you are strong. You are good to us. You're faithful.
Closer than 
fullness of joy in your presence your heart your heart your heart you're near to the sky I just want to be your heart your heart your Closer than my every breath, closer than my every step, closer than the song I sing, closer than anything, closer than my every breath, closer than my every step, closer than the song I sing, closer than anything. time of communion now. And as we continue worshiping in communion, remember, communion is supposed to be one of those times where we recognize what unifies us as a church community. 
This is what we come together around. It's Christ. It's knowing Christ more. It's being in Christ. That's what draws us in the community. And as you hold the elements in your hand, I would invite you to just reflect on everything that the cross means. That the cross means when we are in Christ, that the veil has been torn, that we can be in the presence of God because we are made holy through the blood of Jesus. Whereas before, <laughs> we could not be holy. Therefore, we could not be in the direct presence of God. But because of Christ, we can commune with him. And not only that, but he has given us his spirit And so we can reflect his glory through the spirit whom we have dwelling within us. Reflect on how it has made you pure. The blood of Christ, the cross of Christ has made you holy. Not by any work of your own, but by the work of Jesus on the cross. I'm going to head back there first. The communion elements are on the back table. Front rows, if you guys would follow me to the middle, grab the elements, and then come back and hold on to them. We'll, we'll pray for them together. The bread is in the cup underneath the juice. We'll just grab both cups and hold on to them. And I'll come up and pray for them together. When the row in front of you finishes, just follow them and go to the back and grab an element. What a 
Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you, Lord, that you could take our place because you took on human form and yet we're without sin. So you could be the perfect atoning sacrifice for us. And Lord, you were tempted in every way as we were yet you didn't sin. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken, the pain that you endured on the cross for us. Let's partake of the bread together. through your sacrifice on the cross and through our faith and trust in you that we are made holy that we can commune with God that we can be with you in your presence Lord help us not to take that for granted you have made a way for us to be with God by your blood that was shed for us help us to cherish those moments and the privilege that it is to be in your presence you for making the way for us to be made right with God. We remember as we partake, let's partake of the cup together.
our big idea. <clears throat> the story of Martha and Mary. It's really simple. We make lots of choices about what to do with our time every day and sitting at the feet of Jesus, just as it was then, is still the better choice. As we apply this now, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but when I look at the two, Mary and Martha in that story, I see myself way more in Martha than I do in Mary. I tend to be overly busy. It leads to a hurried soul. And I tend towards not being present with God and the people that I love. In fact, just this week, Wednesday is usually my study day. On Wednesday, I was prepping this, prepping the devotional for next week, all of that. Again, okay, prepping this. Keep that in your mind as I'm talking. 3.30 rolls around. I'm starting to get rushed. I'm like, oh, I'm not nearly as far along as I should be. I created all these false deadlines in my head. I, I need to be here by now. Um, Again, I'm finishing up the devotional. I've got like the rest of the week to prep. I'm like done with Monday and that's it. I haven't even gotten to the rest. I've got a couple other things I want to do or need to clean the floors. The floors are terribly dirty. Um, it's been a while. That's my job and it had been a while. I got to clean the toilets. The toilets are dirty. It's my job again. And you're like, that's not even a necessity. It was, it was to the time of necessity, all right? It was... I'm getting kind of stinky in there. And I wanted to do something later. I wanted to go play basketball, so I had to get done by then and dinner. And kids just got home. It's 3.30. I'm just trying to finish everything up. I'm rushing. I'm busy. And I'm hurried. Again, as I'm prepping this. And then my kids come home. They want to talk to me. I'm like, oh, leave me alone. And my son, he plays this little game that he loves. He thinks it's funny. It's super annoying. He, like, he loves to, like, knock on the door so, to make the dog bark. He thinks it's hilarious. Dog's sitting right next to me. He's, like, sleeping. And he goes and knocks on the window or the door, and the dog freaks out and starts running upstairs. And I lost it. As I'm prepping this, as I'm talking about, hurry and being overly busy. It's all running in my mind, and immediately, that's all it takes. It's for me to get overwhelmed with my schedule and all these false deadlines that I put on myself. All it takes is the dog barking to make me lose it. And so I had to apologize to Shiloh. I had to apologize to my family. Because Herbie just creeps in to my soul so often. And we just miss it so easily. So as I'm preaching this, guys, no, I'm preaching this to myself. <laughs> I wrestle with this a ton. And as I said earlier, this has been a point of emphasis in my spiritual growth for the last few years. And I think Dallas Willard is absolutely right, that hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life. We have to ruthlessly eliminate it from our life. Because when you look at this list, does this describe you? Grabs me in a lot of ways. And again, the only way to unhurry our soul is to unbusy 
our schedule. And again, as this story illustrates, what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus is to sit at his feet. And that means not being busy, overly busy, not being hurried. It means being willing to choose the better thing over the good things that you could be doing and to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen and be with him. And the good news is that the Christian church throughout the centuries has a number of practices that help us with this. That this isn't a modern phenomenon that we're dealing with. This, this has been a part of the Christian tradition from the beginning what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, to allow him to form us. These very simple practices of discipleship to Christ. The first one is Sabbath. Now, I understand New Testament Christians, I don't think we're under the law. We don't have to view the Sabbath in a legalistic way as as certain hours where we can't pick up more weight. In the time of Jesus, they had gone way too far with this. So I don't think we're legally bound to this, but in our culture today and our chronic pathological busyness, I think it's almost necessary for a vibrant spiritual life is to take a day, take half a day to stop. Sabbath means stop. Stop what you are doing. Put the work aside. Trust that it'll be okay, that God's got it. It is a practice. It's called practice because it's a practice. It's grueling. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy to stop working. But you can't experience a vibrant life with Christ if we don't unbusy our schedule, and this is the first step. To take time to stop unhurry your life. Couldn't recommend the Bible Project more on this. They go through like long, long hours <laughs> of podcast episodes talking about Sabbath. It is so good. I encourage you to check it out. Next is silence and solitude. Silence and solitude is practicing just quieting your external world so that you can practice quieting your internal world. Getting to a place of quiet. It may be harder for some than others, if you have little kids in the home especially, but it is so vitally important for us to be alone with God and to practice. You're training your mind to focus on God. You're going to get distracted. Your mind's going to wander. Just bring it back. Just keep bringing it back to Christ and keep focusing on Him. But you'll never do it if you're never... It's boring, I promise. <laughs> but it's good for your soul. The next is prayer. When you're in silence and solitude, don't miss the best part of talking to God. <laughs> prayer looks a lot of different ways. We did a whole uh, campaign on this a while ago. Uh, prayer can look a lot of different ways at various times in your life. But part of prayer, <laughs> I love what Mother Teresa says uh, when she was asked, I forget who she was being interviewed by, but when she was asked what she does when she prays, she says, she listens. And then they said, oh, what does God say? And she says, he listens. <laughs> and it's just sitting in the presence of God. And Mother Teresa is someone who knew how to be in God's presence. So pray. Spend time with God. If you're hurried and you're busy, that's one of the first things to go, 
in my experience, is how do we pray, one, and then two, how do I find time to pray? You make time. You got to make time. And next is fasting. When we fast, we're reminding ourselves of what we truly need. We are giving up sustenance, which we truly need, for something that we need more. As we were just singing, we need God's love like we need water. Like you need those necessities in your life. Like you need food, you need time with God. You need his presence. And fasting reminds you of that. That just like I need food to survive and to sustain me, I need to be with God to spiritually survive. I think today, media fast is a great idea to help us get rid of all the distractions so we're not distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. I say for a time, I'm not going to watch shows. I'm not going to engage in media. I'm going to get off of social media. It's like a detox for your spiritual life so that you can spend time. And when you do that, I think you realize how much time you truly do have. Scripture reading. See, these, these aren't rocket science, you guys. <laughs> this, this stuff on spiritual formation and, and uh, discipleship, we tend to overcomplicate it in our minds. And these things are so simple that have been a part of the Christian disciplines and the spiritual life for centuries. Read Scripture. This is how we sit at the feet of Jesus. Just like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, we learn Jesus' words and we begin to know him, know what he taught so well by just sitting with scripture and reading it daily. And then contemplate it. <laughs> Sit and think about it. Don't just read it, check it off of your busy schedule and say, I did my devos, I'm done. See ya, I'm on to the next thing, right? Think about it. Find something in scripture in in the devotional i always do a reflection time something for you to think about throughout the day to process to run through your mind to sit and meditate on what martin luther used to do one of his ways of reading scripture was to just read until something struck him something hit him as a as relevant to his current life, to his moment, whatever. Something where he's just, wow, that's amazing, and sat in awe and wonder of it. Sometimes it was like two verses. Sometimes it was a whole chapter. Sometimes it was two chapters. Just read until something hits you, and then meditate on that for the rest of the day. One of the things I've been contemplating now is 2 Corinthians 3.18. You can steal mine. I say this so that you can steal mine if you want says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. Contemplating contemplation, which is weird, right? We contemplate the Lord's glory. That means like look in a mirror and study and analyze and reflect, right? To sit and think about, to contemplate the Lord's glory. What does it look like to contemplate God's glory? And we with unveiled faces, like Moses, when he would be in the presence of God, he was shining with God's presence, with the glory of God. And he says, we have this unveiled face that we don't have to veil our face in order to experience, for others to see God's glory in us and for us to see it in ourselves because we have the Spirit. We're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. What? We're being transformed in the image of Christ. We're going from one form of glory to another, a greater form of glory. It's amazing, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Sit with those big concepts 
those beautiful truths in the faith and just contemplate it, just sit and think about it. The next is presence. Present with God. Practice presence of God. We need those quiet moments where we just avoid distractions and get away from everything else to sit with God. We also need to learn how to bring God's presence into every moment of the day, to just pause when something strikes you in the day, when somebody says something, when you just look outside and see snow and you're like, what the heck, it's way too early for this, but, but God, you're still awesome, right? Just take those quiet, simple moments to just reflect on God's presence and recognize that God is with you, even as you're working diligently as he's called you to. And then practice presence with others to remember that the tasks and the busyness, just like Martha was doing, aren't the better thing. Face-to-face -face with others in loving relationship and being present with them is the better choice. And the holidays are coming up. So if you're the type of person who is, likes to do exactly what Martha was doing, where you're constantly hosting, you're making sure everybody feels comfortable, you're getting, refreshing their drinks, you're making food in the kitchen, you're cleaning or just doing tons of stuff. You're always busy doing stuff when others are right there and you're not present to them. Do whatever it takes this holiday season to be present. That may mean planning more. So beforehand, making sure you uh, ask people for help, to help you when you need help. It may mean doing less. Honestly, who cares if the mashed potatoes aren't as creamy as they normally are because you didn't get to blend them as long. It's fine. It's okay. Don't trade busyness for presence. Or don't trade presence for busyness. I said that wrong. Because the better choice is to be present people around you. Ultimately, our verse that we've been kind of sitting in throughout this whole campaign, as Paul says, we count everything as lost compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. If that's really true in our lives, we'll make time for it. You'll make time to be with Jesus. So what I want to do is one of my favorite ways of reading scripture, especially in the gospels, is just take a moment and like put yourself into the story. Imagine yourself as a part of this story. So just close your eyes for a moment and let's first just imagine ourselves as Martha. Imagine you're in your house, in your kitchen, in your space, Jesus is there, you've welcomed him in. His whole crew's there, his disciples. He's sitting on a couch or a stool and he's teaching. And you wanna make a good impression. So you wanna fix a good meal, you wanna make sure the house is clean. You wanna make sure everybody's cared for, everyone has what they need. So you're doing all the work. And then someone you love, whether it's your spouse, someone who lives there, a friend, someone who knows you well, is just sitting and listening. 
And that's, that just irks you. In part, you're angry because you have to be doing all the work. But if you're really honest with yourself, it's more of a self-righteous feeling because you know you're doing the right thing and they're not. And so you ask Jesus to help you, to tell your spouse or your friend, whoever it is, to help you. And then just hear Jesus' response to you. Fill in your name, have Jesus say it twice. Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken from her. And now switch places. Imagine yourself as Mary. Jesus is in your house. <laughs> The real value isn't in presenting a good face and making sure everything looks good. Everyone is well taken care of and the food is great and the house is clean. The value that you have determined to be the true value is the words of Jesus. And so you're sitting cross-legged on the rug, like your little square kindergartner rug. <laughs> Feel like a child. Just hanging on every word that Jesus says. Because you know that where else would you go because he has the words of eternal life. You're just listening to teacher Jesus. Just listening to him. You don't even realize what's going on around you <laughs> because you're so captivated by the words of Jesus. Now tomorrow when you pick up scripture and read it, get that picture in your mind before you do. This is you. Just going to your little kindergartner corner rug, sitting, listening to Jesus, allowing him to teach you allowing him to give you the words of eternal life. And you're gonna contemplate those. You're not just gonna hear it, check it off a list and move on. You're gonna think on it. You wanna be with Jesus. That's the goal. Lord, give us that picture of Mary, of sitting at your feet and listening to you. May our life be characterized by that and not by just busyness and a hurried soul and checking items off the list that we have to do. Spirit, inspire us to make the better choice. That even in times of busyness, that that would not move out of our schedule, out of our life, the time that we spend with you. Because that is what we truly need. Forgive us of so often making the mistake that What we really need is leisure or entertainment. Remind us, Lord, what we truly need for our hurried soul. 
our anemic spiritual life is you. It's time with you. Resting in your presence, seeking you in your word. Praying to you, Jesus. Meditating on the truth of your word. Fill the spiritual void in us with you. Help us not to miss that. In Jesus' name. Stand and sing one more song together. If you guys need prayer, Michael and Kathleen are in the back. I'd love to pray with you.
because of his work on the cross, because of his death and resurrection. Because of your goodness and your graciousness to us, we can sit at your feet. God, that the work that Jesus did on the cross made us worthy. God, that there is no work that we can do that can earn your love. Lord, the work that Jesus did tore the veil between us and you. God, we can spend eternity just basking in your presence. Basking in your love, in your truth, in your goodness, in your kindness. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. We believe that, God. God, help us to not seek joy in other places and what we can accomplish and what we can check off our list today. God, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd encourage you to grab prayer before you go. If you'd like, you can get prayer in the back. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for being here.